The Disc Dump Podcast presents... The Train Trainers Podcast. Starring Miles Trout and John Weber. Hello and welcome to the Disc Dump Podcast. I'm your host, Miles Trout, as always. Today I am joined by my friend, John Weber. How you doing, John? I'm doing good, Miles. Good. I'm glad to hear it. So today we're going to try a, uh, a show within a show. Uh, hopefully this will be something we do more regularly unless we get a bunch of protests. We're calling it the Trade Traders because we uh, kind of trade comic books back and forth and neither of us like short comic books. So we basically trade traders, trade, trade trades, trade trades. Anyway, trade trades. And I love alliteration. So I figured we'd call it the Trade Traders podcast. What the whole format is going to be is that we are going to come in and talk about what we read since the last time. And then we're going to trade off some comics and then talk about those next time. It's basically what it's going to be. So we're going to be talking about uh, the ones that we have already traded with each other. So I, uh, I lent him Batman Hush. Introductions, possibly. Like, I mean, they don't know. Yeah, I was okay. out of it for 30 years. And then on my ship, I, somebody, I found uh, Irredeemable. Just there was a, a graphic novel, and I didn't know they came in novels. I just thought they always had to get them just one little sliver at a time, like I did as a kid. And they came in as a full graphic novel, and I read it. And then I went and got more, and then I got more and more, and then I got more and more and more and more. And by the time I went on deployment, I went on deployment with like 50 different trades so that I could read the whole time I was there. What size were your quarters? Were you able to just have boxes of comic books with you on the ship? No, but I had an office. Oh, okay. Because I was, I was the ship's dock, so I had my own office. So. Okay. So you just always had piles of books and comics and stuff. I know we talk about this all the time but were you mostly into the fantasy comics or were you into like superheroes and stuff too the the ones i mean i was fine whatever was available at the time but uh I, yeah not as not as i was a, in the superhero uh i was a huge x-men's fan uh fantastic four was the one that really pulled me into comics fantastic four was my favorite i love the thing mm-hmm. and whenever he fought the hulk and all that stuff that was awesome and then marvel still needs to get there yeah hulk versus versus thing you know, those would be the best ever um but those were my favorites. And then when I got back into it, it was the more underground stuff, the not mainstream stuff like Image Comics in particular, but Dark Horse and all those have just one-offs. So they're not, not their own universe. They'll, they'll be in their own little worlds. It's not necessarily a shared universe and stuff. Irredeemable is where I started, but I also got into uh, Invincible. Is that is that the name? The guy, the Robert Kirkman, the guy who wrote The Walking Dead, he also has the Invincible comics. Mm-hmm. Those are... Pretty amazing. You're you're more of a an offshoot, not a Marvel DC person. You like all the the smaller image and Dark Horse and all that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and so, some of us like Joe Hill put some pretty incre- incredible. Uh, Joe Hill would be Stephen King's son. Mm-hmm. He has some incredible uh, stories and stuff. It's basically novel format, so not the comic stuff, but it's basically novels put in pictures, you know, mm-hmm. for, type of format, like like the the whole Dark Elf thing. The uh, it's why I love those. It's just because I can visualize. Even though I had it in my head anyway, just I like the novel format. And novel format in comics was fantastic. So the 
the Dark Elf, uh, the, the Drizzt series, um, the Crystal Shard series, and then the Dragonlance, which I also have at home and I'll bring next time. Okay. Um, those in comic book format are excellent. Now, if that's how you get introduced into Drizzt and that's how you get introduced into uh, Dragonlance, I would say go for the novels because they're incredible. Mm, that's what that's okay. So what you had lent me over a year ago was the comic book version of the Forgotten Realms novels, which is what we're talking about, right? Right. What I found appealing about them was exactly what you were just saying is that I started with a pretty picture book instead of a super in-depth novel, but I can like burn through comics like crazy, which is a skill in itself. Like people don't realize there is a proper way to read a comic book. You aren't just look at a picture, read the words. It's like got a flow to it and everything. So there is skill in that, but I am much quicker at doing that than I am reading an actual 600-page novel. So, and I want to write novels someday, which is ironic that I'm like, mm, reading's hard. <laughs> so. I, I understand that, but I, I think you get, it's just like watching the movie ver- versus the novel. You get the abbreviated version, you get the idea, but... You don't get the depth and and stuff, and even although I think they did a pretty good job in the in the the Dark Elf ones, it's not quite on the same level. Mm-hmm. Pretty close. I mean, they don't. I don't think they leave anything out. You just don't get the depth. You don't get his inner turmoil and his talking to himself and and there's things a little like bit that. Of that. Yeah, yeah. There's a little bit of that, like the whole self hating Dark Elf who's a good guy thing. That I found that to be super appealing. Actually, is him turning against his own nature and his family and everybody he knows just because he didn't want to murder everything that they saw that wasn't a dark elf. It's interesting how the, uh, so if we're talking about that, we, are we talking about that now? Yeah. The, the Jewish comics? Yeah, we're talking about that. Um, the whole thing with the purple eyes. So not just is he different in, inside, you know, in, inside is uh, emotionally and mentally, but he's also has the different purple eyes. I don't know if, if that was what type of symbolism or, I don't know. Or that was, or, or whatever. I thought that Purple Eyes was indicative of, well, of Targaryens, but that's a totally different series. But he's the, he's the only one. He's they the only they one. all have red eyes, mm-hmm. all of them. And, he, and they first they thought he was a mutant. One of the sisters were talking about killing him just because his eyes were different. Mm-hmm. And he was also the third son, so basically they... Just throw him in the trash. Yeah, similar to uh, the, how the Chinese, the, the, uh, in their society, it's it's matriarchal and it's just all uh, the, the men are useless except for when it comes to mating and and uh, wizardry and and things like that. But for the most part, they are the lowest of the low. The lowest female is higher than the highest male. That's how China is, or it was, no, no? But China, China was the, they used to leave their daughters out to die oh, so it was it was re- the reverse and, and, and still it's it's still you know you want a male child versus a female child even though i, I think that's getting better but for me for it there was so many t- infanticides just leaving a child out to a uh, girl to die so that they can and for a while there you're only allowed to have one ch- child mm-hmm. so is that not they, still the case I think it might be, isn't it? Uh, it? It may be, but a lot of people were leaving their daughters or letting them die so that they can go and try to have a son again. Yeah, that's fucked up. Yeah. I, the first thing I thought of with that was like Sparta and how like they would leave the throw the weak, the weak from ledges and shit to suffer. And that's what led to the downfall of 300 in the movie. Like the guy that they wanted to abandon came back and was like, fuck you guys. Can't, yeah. can't be one of you. So, yeah, I thought that the inner turmoil was pretty good. 
and I liked the Drizzt ones way better than the Crystal Shard, even though, like, the Crystal Shard was cool and Brunor and all that, but I think that Drizzt is a way more dynamic character than any of the other ones. He is, and he was supposed to be, uh, uh he was supposed to be Wolfgar's sidekick. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. That's the whole, how the whole idea was he was just going to be, and, and, but, you know, as a good storyteller does, is, uh, Brunor has his past, even the Cadbury and Wolfgar were both young people, but... Drizzt and uh, Drizzt, but they all have pasts and they all have intricate pasts. They all have a lot of interesting stuff, you know, which is really, and he had that all in his mind. Yeah, the the halfling he had the ring that the crystal shard dude was after, right? Or no, that was uh, that was the assassin guy wanted the halfling's ring. He had a neck a necklace that uh, that he stole from uh, a guild leader down in Kalimshan. But it was a necklace that influenced people. I guess it gave you a, a, a plus five to charisma <laughs> or something. Regis. Regis, right. Regis. So anyway, Regis and Brunar and Drizzt all have pretty deep pasts. Mm-hmm. Even though technically Drizzt is considered a relatively young person. I mean, he, I think he's 40 or 50. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think there's a point when he's in the Underdark, like, trying to exile himself that he's like, I just turned 60 or something like that, but he's not old by elf terms at all. Not, yeah, he's still very young as, as far as that concerned, but right. Uh, mm-hmm. he was. I think he was a teenager, so he was maybe 16 or 17 when he went to that academy. That academy is nine years long, or nine or ten years. So mm-hmm. he was in the academy, the, the, the Warrior Academy, for ten years. Mm-hmm. And then I think he was in the Underdark by himself when he left. For That's the whole middle book. Mm-hmm. For like a long time. That was 10 or 20 years. Yeah, and he like met friends and then the friends died and all that. He became friends with a hook horror, which was kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. And It was uh, a converted hook horror though, wasn't it? Yeah, there was like a curse on it. Yeah. And uh, what was the, the gnome's name? There was like a gnome that had his hands chopped off and they put little pickaxes on his hands. Yeah. That guy was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember what his name was? No. Not, not right off. No, he was super cool. He was a pretty dynamic character, especially considering he was just like a gnome. Nobody ever really pays attention to gnomes and stories. Yeah, but these are these are rock, uh, not rock gnomes, but a deep gnomes. They deep are gnomes, they yeah. are a totally different. The Sniff Neblin, the Sniff Neblin, Sniff Neblin, the Sniff Neblin, something Schnurf like that. Der <laughs> yeah, they were like I I found the whole series pretty interesting, even though I didn't read the last two because you needed them back a year and a half later, and I was like, I'll get to them. <laughs> So those two I missed, but uh, the one where he becomes a, he multi-classes into a ranger is pretty cool. He like lives at that dude's house for like a long time though, doesn't he? And then that guy like dies at old age, doesn't he? Yeah, I don't know how long they're together. They were there for, he was there for a while. And then like they summoned all the animals in the forest to fight off, were they orcs? That came stomping through. Right. <laughs> that was that was a little, uh, a little Snow Whitey for me. Yeah, but the, I think it... I'm, Forgetting the guy's name, it's like Montague or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Anyway, he uh, he was a ranger that directly worked for the goddess of, uh, Maliki, I think is the name of it, mm-hmm. and she's the goddess of the forest and of rangers and stuff, and had he had a direct connection. So I guess that's the reason why he was able to get those forest mm. animals. <laughs> he was a, a, a ranger paladin. <laughs> something like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, so the same, and so is and and. Uh, Drizzt also becomes the same way. She's actually a chosen one of his. Mm-hmm. And then, actually, later on, Drizzt becomes a chosen one of several deities, including Loth. Yeah. Loth. His, his, basically, isn't Loth, like, 
Loth hates him. Yeah, hates But him. at the same time, she's the goddess of chaos. And she loves the chaos he brings to the rest of the drow world. Mm -hmm. So she actually gives him extra powers <laughs> so that he can fuck up the rest of the people. You know, she hates him because he's good. Mm -hmm. And that's against everything she stands for. But he also creates chaos within the drow. It's a totally cool conundrum. It's uh -huh. excellent. <laughs> yeah, she's... It's kind of like how death wants the only uh, someone who can't die is like, oh, you're against everything that I stand for. I definitely could have said that more concisely. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> it, so, Ari Salvatore does some cool shit with that. And there, there are, and there's some stuff he gets into just a little. Mm -hmm. he, he, um, another dark elf that he brings in that I don't think you've gotten to yet. but uh, Well, you've seen him, but you haven't seen much about him. is uh, Jarlaxle Veneer. Mm -hmm. he, actually, he actually becomes huge in the D&D &D world. He's, he's in all kinds of the D&D &D stories. In the, um, the Dungeon Heist or, dra or Dragon Heist or whatever, if you go through that, he, basically, depending on the time of year, so I guess you roll for it, whether it's spring, summer, fall, or, or winter, um, you roll for it, and whichever season you're in is which bad guy you get. There's like, you can either get Xanathar, you can get Jarlaxle, or you can get two other other bad guys. So it, it mm -hmm. changes the story depending on the season. That's pretty cool. But Jarlaxle is one of them. And this is one of the uh, the campaign books. Yeah, it's the one I got you. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah. yeah. The uh, no water, water deep dragon heist. Oh, water deep. Water water deep dragon heist. Anyway, so uh, Jarlaxle is he's a mercenary. Basically, in a world where uh, the women are in charge of everything, he, he's uh, in a group of people called Brigandiarth. That they're a group of mercenaries that work outside of women's control. They're tolerated because they're useful. And they're very, very good at what they do. He's a Baneer, which means Baneers are the the number one family in uh, Metzoboranzan. Queen Baneer, or Mo Matron Mother Baneer, is over a thousand years old. And she is she rules uh, Metzoboranzan and all the Dark Elves with an iron fist. And her family's huge. Her son is the Archmage, Gromf. He's the, Gromf. Gromf. He's the strongest... <laughs> Archmage there is so she's got power everywhere and she has like 15 daughters that are all you know priestesses and stuff so they are without a doubt the strongest family um mezzo baranson for the we're doing a lot of stuff that the audience is not gonna have any <laughs> fucking idea what we're talking about that's uh it's a city of dark elves underneath the earth basically that that's where all the dark elves come from and they're real game of thronesy down there <laughs> just everyone's stabbing each other in the back and they're all family factions like uh, Romeo and Juliet and shit. So you're saying that Jarlaxle is related to the most popular family, but he's also the head of a faction of mercenaries. Right, he kind of, he still wears the name, so he's still technically a son, but he doesn't, they work independently of their families. Mm -hmm. So the, it's a group of, of, of males that have left their families for whatever reason, ostracized, banished, whatever, and they have come together and they're called Brig and Diarth. And they are... A mercenary, and they're the ones that turned Andris's family. If you, when you read the stories, she was using them, and then they flipped and stabbed his mother in the back and killed oh, him. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that was them. That was Jarlaxle. Jarlaxle has that big, the big foppish red hat. Fop, red hat. Yeah, you, you're gonna run if you keep on reading the Driss series. You're gonna keep running into him, and he does some very interesting stuff with him. But he has one series where he goes off actually with the assassin Artemis and Trari. Um, they go off together, and it's one of the worst stories I've ever read because it had so much potential. 
and then it completely fizzed out. It just like everything he was pushing you towards all fell apart, and they just went oh, shrugged their shoulders and went on. And like, what the fuck was that all about? <laughs> like, you ever read Tommy Knockers from Stephen King? I've seen the movie. Yeah, I, yeah too, was, that was in like the early nineties. So Tommy Knockers, the the first half of the story was incredible, and it completely fizzed. It just yeah. yeah. So anyway, very similarly. 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 <laughs> um, so, so what, and I guess this wasn't really my introduction into the Forgotten Realms because as uh, last week's episode of this podcast, we talked about the uh, Dark Alliance and the Champions in the Wrath games, which are Forgotten Realms games. You played those ones, right? Yes, I played, yeah, Dark Alliance too. And when, when you beat those games, you unlock a version of the game where you can play as Drizzt and... Some dude that has a big red sword. I don't know. Artemis and Charlie. That's Artemis. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you can be them, but they amp the difficulty up so much. <laughs> it's so much harder when you're like a really, really strong character, which I thought was interesting. But that was really my first ex- exposure to it was they had like these crazy weapons that did like six times as much as my normal weapons did. And those games were so good. Yeah. You know, they didn't really go into any of the history of Forgotten Realms, and you didn't really get to learn about towns or other people and stuff. But yeah, it's other than Baldur's Gate, but yeah, yeah. But even still, I barely mm-hmm. touched on it. Yeah, yeah. I the, they talk this. I think it might be the sec. No, it's the first one of Dark Alliance where they talk about the Thieves Guild and like the the sway the Thieves Guild has. But that's really about it for Baldur's Gate. Is uh, Narath is in the Forgotten Realms, right? I don't know. You don't know? I know it's like a Forgotten Realms stamped video game. I just didn't know if it's like a different planet or a different country or something. I don't know. It doesn't sound familiar. I don't know. No. I haven't read everything Forgotten Realms. I've read a lot of stuff, but uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm somewhat picky. Yeah. Yeah, when I uh, when I was I actually talked to our friend Jerry, who you'll hear on another podcast, he's also a super nerd like us. I used to talk to him about the Dark Alliance games, and he was like, oh, you know, they're based on books. And I was like, no. And he's like, I have, and I've read every single Forgotten Realm book. And I was like, how many are there? Hundreds. There was hundreds. (laughs) And I've read hundreds, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I've maybe read every single one. Because I I ran into a couple of duds. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I don't... It's hard for me to sign on to something like that because I'm going to get obsessed and try and read them all in the exact order that they came out. And it's going to be a mess because how many do I have over there? Like 30 of them. As soon as I start reading those, it's all going to go down. That, that's one of the hard things when you get into um, when you have multiple authors writing because in the Forgotten Realms, they uh, the different authors have like different takes on elves, mm-hmm. you know, just or different takes on different things. So you can you see it happening it's what when the it's the same thing when, the, when you're doing the the uh the it's no longer canon but this shared universe for star wars and stuff they had different histories and different ideas of where chewbacca came from and how han solo got chewbacca and there was like three different storylines of that and, and, uh, yeah and, and yeah so but so in the same way how the uh how the uh, high elves are related to the moon elves are related to so-and-so and their gods and where they creation from and where they where they're all going to it was it, it yeah there's a lot of disparity <laughs> <laughs> i mean i i do want to read them but it's reading hard guys <laughs> but the, 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 i could give you a couple of uh of authors particularly uh first of all you should read 
Ed Greenwood, because he's the one that created Forgotten Realm. So it read his, at least the uh, couple first books of Elminster. Mm-hmm. So it's the wizard, it, but he does some cool stuff with it. You really learn the the roots of Elminster, uh, who is, uh, I guess, the two most famous wizards in the D&D world would be Mordenkainen, which is Gary Gygax's wizard, and Elminster, which is the Forgotten Realms, the most powerful wizard of all time. Mm-hmm. Ba- basically, they're on Gandalf level. Yeah. So Interesting. Yeah, so the, uh, Ed Greenwood, you'd read, uh, of course, R.A. Salvatore, because Driz is the most famous. Yeah, I definitely want to read Salvatore. His... I read on the back of the comic book, it was it was like a quote from him where he's like, so when they approached me and said, how would you feel about us making this into a comic book? I said, it's about time. Like, he's some coy minx, like, ooh, chase me, chase me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I found that very He's funny because he's got a, a full Bostonian accent. He's really? from, he's from, well, he's from uh, New England, but very Bostonish. and oh, yeah. Yeah, Tolles, I always I picture him as like a pure-blooded Italian man. He's an Italian guy, but he's total Boston accent. That's funny. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's basically like you or I would be if... Our job and our whole life revolved around the coolest nerd shit because this is what he gets to do. He mm-hmm. loves it. He loves the fact that he got successful in an area where he just can be silly and stupid and play D and D and all this shit. I mean, and 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 talk about it, and that's how he get makes a living. Man, I'm chasing that high so hard. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. like, if I buy microphones, it'll happen for me. <laughs> so I mean, someday, but. Oh, so, you're still doing what you love. It was getting, mm-hmm. get, you know, just like me being in the band. It's it's really the best part of it is just going out there and doing what we love and getting together. And after band practice, it's I'm, I'm riding high for a while just because everything turned out great. Doesn't really matter. I mean, if people want to pay to see me do it or people want to show up to a show or whatever, that makes it even better. But it's still great even without it. So just sitting here doing this, yeah. talking about the stuff we love and what we like to do, it's already fucking cool. Yeah, man. I need a job where I can, like, horse around and be a jackass sometimes. Like, working in the hospital's great, but it's too serious. Everyone takes it so seriously, as they should. But I need a job where I can be like, and make a bunch of stupid sounds and shit. So yeah, There's something, yeah. something to be said about having a job that has a lot of meaning yeah. You know, oh, yeah. That's, that's besides money. That's why I'm there is because I actually feel fulfilled that I'm doing something helpful for people. But it's part of the whole surgical thing. And it's, if we didn't do our job right, things go bad for patients. So mm-hmm. exactly. But I want a job where I can talk about poop into a microphone and make money. That would be great. <laughs> but so I'm with you. So um, did you you wanted to go? So you want to go over the storyline real quick or? I mean, can we do it real quick? So, it's like seven uh, well, books. first of all, I say I say keep it. To me, it's it's one of my favorites. Driz is one of my favorite characters of all time. Some people say he's overpowered or there's too much attention paid for him. I love him. I'm he's pretty lo- great. Uh, he 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 really is. And um, it starts with him as a child. He is growing up in an atrocious family, and it's just it's just awful. He basically goes against what's expected and goes by his nature and becomes ostracized and the second book he goes into uh he goes on his own in the underdark world and he becomes animalistic Mm. and then meets some deep gnomes he meets another race of relatively goodly people that treat people kindly and you know he didn't understand and they treat him they treat him uh well and then 
even though he's different and even though his entire race is supposed to be evil, and they were cautious with him, but they still didn't act until they actually saw how he acted individually. So they treated him as an individual, even though his race was all supposed to be bad. And he learned from them. Mm-hmm. You know, they saved his, basically saved his life, but they took him in and then he learned a lot from them. And then he went around the world and the rest of the, the surface world hates all the drow and they have every right to, mm-hmm. but, uh, and, murdering. and he, he struggles, but, uh, ends up meeting people that, you know, basically judge people by their character, not necessarily by the by the race. I mean, of course, you see something that's a snake, you expect it, it could bite you. But mm. there's a couple of good snakes out there. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, know. I haven't really met one, but oh, I, I I've had great. I've actually owned some cool snakes. I've never. I'm anyway. That, I'm not into <laughs> it's the reptiles so much. Not that I'm afraid of them, but I'm terrified of them. So. Uh, there, where do the mind flayers come in into that story? There's like a big part where a bunch of mind flayers are like fucking everybody up, and D- Driss saves the day, right? Is it well, he he actually, um, so like he wakes up and there's just weird stuff going on, and uh, after a little while, he realizes he's in some type of dream state mm-hmm. where he's massaging a uh, an illithid brain, master, whatever they call master brain or whatever, uh, elder brain, elder brain. And he's massaging it and saying, this is the best thing ever. And he's like, wait a second, what the hell am I doing? And he, and he realizes he was hypnotized and he's been uh, enslaved, mm-hmm. basically. And then they all bro- broke out. Mind flare just a fucking cool. Anyway, it's, it's in a weird way, it's like a demented Wizard of Oz. Because the story isn't as much about murder, kill, murder, kill. It's like a journey of making friends and singing songs. But instead of songs, it's blood splatter. But overall, it's very uh, it's very friend oriented. Even I'd say even more so than like the Lord of the Rings ones, because that one they just like disperse as soon as they come together. But the Forgotten Realms, they seem to just like get closer as the stories go on. Oh yeah, they 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 become pretty tight, and there's still drama in there, and there's still you know stuff. But yeah, it's mm. it's pretty cool. I, it's a great story for me. It's a fantastic story. Yeah, I, I couldn't get into Bruno as much, but like I guess I don't really relate to the barbarians a whole lot. He's like the big barbarian dude, right? No, no, that's uh, Wolfgar. That's Wolfgar. Wolfgar is Br- Brunor's I, Brunor's the the dwarf. Uh, the dwarf king. Yeah, okay, he was cool. I was cool with his him, character's but, pretty cool actually. But like the barbarian dude, I just he didn't do it for me. Wolfgar. Yeah, he was supposed to be a little bit of a spoiled kid. Mm, at, he was at, at such first. an Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, and he he actually gets worse before it gets better because him and Caddy Bree start falling, but then he becomes like controlling and treating her like women are treated in the barbarian tribe, which is not equally. Yeah, and she's been growing up to be a princess, basically. Well, no, to be whoever she wants to be. But she mm-hmm. was brought up, even though she's human, she was raised by a dwarf king. And like, hey, you you can be whoever you want to be, mm-hmm. you know, and and uh, I, we don't judge people by their race or their color or their or their sex. We judge them by their content of their character, so to speak. And uh, and he was treating her like a female, Wolfgar, mm-hmm. like his his property, and mm-hmm. so that becomes an issue. That's later on. Did you uh, did you see the trailer for Dark Alliance Three? No. Um. Yes. Yeah. That shit looks crazy because you get to be the four of them. Like you can pick which one of the four. Yeah. Of them the only one they leave out is Regis. 
Yeah, and I mean, it's kind of hard when it's a hardcore hack and slash to be a tiny <laughs> little <laughs> halfling slipping little between halfling. people's legs and shit. I got a magic necklace. <laughs> I can... <laughs> I'm sure he's in the story. He's just probably not a playable character. But the other ones are all badass. Mm-hmm. They, they were like jumping off each other's shoulders and shooting arrows and shit. Caddy Bree is, uh, of the four of them, she's the least remarkable. She becomes very, very good. I mean, she gets trained by Drizzt how to how to be accurate and shoot and be a, a warrior and stuff. But she's the least because the, the other three are pretty incredible. Wolfgar is amazing. He, you know, he, he's absolutely incredible. He 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 learns. Uh, he's almost killed by Brunor, and then Brunor takes him under his wing, kind of captured, but spares him, and then teaches him how to um, basically be a blacksmith. Mm-hmm. And so that's how he gets all his muscles and stuff like that, you know, kind of like a Conan thing, just, you know, mm-hmm. always down there hitting the hammer, but he teaches him how to be a blacksmith and and then Driz teaches him how to be a warrior, but he is the best. And he's also got a pretty incredible hammer. Driz, of course, is the best drow warrior they've ever seen, which is saying a lot because even though everybody hates the drow, Everybody also knows that their warriors are the best of the best. Mm-hmm. If you're coming up against a drow warrior, you are in trouble. If it's one-on-one, you're in big trouble. If you have two against one, it might be a fair fight. And that's generally what they expect because they are the best of the best. And he's the best of all of them. And then there's, um, and then Brunor, he's just a badass door. He's everything what you would expect, but he's, he's, he's the best. He's outstanding at what he does. It's like picture Gimli, but make him bitch less. Is what Bruno yeah. Is. Make him bitch less and make him twice as tough. He will not be put down. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think that, uh, Gimli really takes much shit in Lord of the Rings at all. He's pretty, they like throw him into like walls of people and he stands up and he's like, that all you got? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, his, his helmet has one horn broken off and he wear all, that's all he'll ever wear because it's a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. He still got up even though he got smashed so hard that one of his horns got blown off of his helmet. Mm-hmm. Well, even as a king, that's what he always wore. And he also, his <laughs> emblem, his family crest emblem on his shield is a beer mug. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I had to come up with a sigil, I think it would be pretty similar to that. Big, frothy beer mug. Yeah. <laughs> so Bruno is awesome. You'll see as, as you go on. Because, I mean, you only have the seven comics because they stopped doing the comics after that. But there's 35 to 40 novels, which I'm yeah. still reading. Yeah. He's, I mean. I first got into him in the early 90s. I just became a surgical technician, like 1993, 1994 in uh, San Diego, California. And my friend was reading. I'm like, oh, this is any good? That's kind of the stuff I'd like to read. He goes, yeah, you know, it's an elf. I'm like, does he do magic? Well, he's got innate magic, but it's not. He's more of a warrior. I'm like, Can I, uh, once I started reading him, I was lost. Yeah. That was so awesome, yeah. I, I imagine that's going to happen to me when uh, when I start actually reading them. But the comics definitely grabbed me. Like, they were really in-depth. <laughs> This is going to sound so dumb. There were some pages with a lot of words on them, though, let me tell you. <laughs> that goes against your, your skills? Of, of no, work. I mean, I managed it, but there was definitely, like, the later ones especially, it was hard to convey the story, like, the actual in-depth, like, social interaction and stuff without putting a lot of dialogue on it. So, like, there's ones where there's hardly any color on, like, in some of the blocks because there's just, like, so long of monologues and stuff. If that's the only complaint I have is that there's words in the story, that's a pretty good story. <laughs> so what did I give you to read for You gave an me uh, Hush from Batman. Batman Hush. Well, first of all, 
I read Batman. I watched the Batman TV show because yeah, back I'm, in the day, because I'm almost fifty two. So I, <laughs> I mean, even though it was before my time, they it, the reruns were always on TV. So I've watched every single Batman thing, and of course, the when the movies came out in the eighties, and then of course the nineties and two thousands, the new movies came out and all that stuff. I've always watched them because I'm I'm just a comic book nerd. I love comic book heroes. I am more of a Marvel Marvel fan. Yeah, but I've always liked like Batman, but I, I don't really, I haven't really read many Batman comics I, for some time. For quite a while, I almost exclusively read Batman. I'm so into Batman, it's not even funny. But this one is my all-time favorite comic. Well, it was. Now I'm kind of, I've read a whole lot more since I read this one. So, I mean, it's not not my favorite, but it's it's still really good. It's just maybe not necessarily my favorite anymore. It just had such an elaborate plot. Um, so the whole premise is that Batman is getting his ass kicked because he's like towards the end of his career. He's old Batman. So he's got like his kid Damien is a Robin and he has Nightwing who was his second Robin. Well, he's, ch he's chasing Catwoman and mm -hmm. then some, and, and, uh, he's about to catch her cause she just like robbed the bank or something and he's about to catch her and somebody cuts his line and that's yeah. where it starts. And he mm -hmm. cra crashes and, and fractures his brain. Pretty much, yeah. And uh, so, like, the whole premise is that everybody stops doing what their, like, M.O. is. So he, the Killer Croc has, like, kidnapped somebody and is demanding a ransom like a big giant lizard man has used for money. So Batman's like, this is weird. And then uh, Catwoman steals from him and then it goes on and on. Eventually it's like, why is Poison Ivy trying to take over the world? Poison Ivy never wanted to take over the world. Like, everyone is just behaving super strangely. My favorite part is Poison Ivy puts kryptonite in her lipstick and seduces Superman, and they have to fight each other. I, I love it. And, Superman uh, and Batman have to Superman fight each other. Superman and Batman, yeah. yeah. Those are always my favorite when Superman and Batman it's, fight. It's the coolest part of it. Part of, okay, see, I think I think the, the whole comic is, is, is too busy and convoluted. However, <laughs> there are some cool parts in it, and when like you hear this one thing, and he goes, oh, no, not him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, not him. You know, mm. you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah that's, yeah. oh, man, that's so good. And another really crazy part was the joker was not killing people and batman's like what the fuck is going on <laughs> the joker's just like i'm innocent i swear <laughs> and he beats the shit out of the joker and he tries to kill him actually so like this whole story really drives batman to the limit where he's about to kill the joker for literally no reason right and, and murder not self-defense but actually just murdering like him straight yeah. murder and catwoman actually stops him from doing it and uh, the whole time there's this, like, sub-story that is obviously who the bad guy's going to be. And it's uh, his childhood friend, who I forget what his name was. But he's a surgeon who, like, fixes Batman up at one point. And, Collins something? Or something uh, Collins? Tommy. Thomas. Anyway. So he has this, like, surgeon friend who is, like, they talk about how they were, like, rivals when they were a kid. But they were best friends and stuff. And that guy reconstructs Two-Face's face and makes him back into one face and, like, wraps his head in bandages to, like, hide who he is. And he, it turns out he made himself look like Jason Todd, the first Robin, who the Joker killed a long time ago. And so it was like Red Hood was coming after him, but it turned out it wasn't really Red Hood. It was this surgeon guy. What's his name? Tommy Elliot. Tommy Elliot, yes. So Thomas Elliot, and uh, so he's basically like a face sculptor, 
And, uh, oh, it wasn't him. He wasn't the one who was looking like Red Hood. It was actually Clayface. And then Batman's like, why the fuck is Clayface involved? And it all comes down to the Riddler was just like, came up with this idea and it all seemed to work out. And everyone's like, you're not that smart. And the Riddler's like, well, you know, I got a good one or two in me. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, except at the end, you know, Batman says, you do you realize that you stepped on Razal Ghoul's, you know, and if you ever let, because they, he finds out who that he's Bruce Wayne. Mm. He says, if you give out my identity, I'll let Razal Ghoul let know that you were the one that did that. Yeah, the whole idea came because the Riddler had a, a tumor in his brain, so he used Razal Ghoul's like rejuvenating Lazarus pit. So he, right. and he corrupted it. So then his brain was working better than ever. And he was like, oh, I have an idea. And he sent Batman on this crazy wild goose chase fighting every bad guy that he has. And everyone was acting weird. And Batman's just like, what the fuck? And everybody kicks Batman's ass. This whole story, except the Joker, honestly. But like the whole time he's just getting fucked up. And it's like, I like redemption stories like that where people are just not amazing at everything they do. Uh, something that is a little annoying about this story, though, is the bottom of Batman's shoes say Wayne on them. <laughs> so, really? Yeah, so, like, he leaves footprints that are literally labeled with his actual name everywhere he goes. But by this point, they're like... I didn't catch much, that. Yeah, everyone pretty much has him figured out by this point of his career, but still, it's, it's funny. There's, like, a scene where he kicks someone in the face, and it's, like, zoomed in on the bottom of his shoe. It just says Wayne on it. <laughs> so you'd think Batman would have thought of that. <laughs> so yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> so, yeah, I like old Batman stories because old Batman is better than young Batman. Young Batman's just good at everything and impossible to trick, and old Batman's, like, rusty and beat up and sore. <laughs> It's just sore all the time. Yep. So that was uh, that was the one that I lent you. I mean, it's well written. It just mm -hmm. it just it was uh, yeah too 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 quick too hasty. Mm -hmm. The the uh, yeah it was a lot jammed together. So mm -hmm. it's it, it um to me it was forced. You just get a couple of pages of this going on, and then it all of a sudden into something else, and it just didn't let you have time to settle in one thing. So it was constantly moving which i guess is exciting in a way but mm -hmm. it gets to the point where it's almost makes you apprehensive you know it's mm -hmm. you can't just sit back and read it because it just was like, so fast there was a lot going on there was a like, lot going when they were on. like i said con it's convoluted mm -hmm. so this one is you're basically saying this one as a trade probably doesn't equate out the way it would when you'd had to wait a month between each yes, chapter. That would probably yes, that this this would have been better to read as uh yeah, you get and you can't wait for the next one and then you get a whole data data download and then you get a month to recover from it and a whole mm -hmm. data download another month to recover from it. And the trade is a whole lot all at once. And you know, I never thought of that. That is pretty legit critique of it though, because there's a lot going on. I just read another Batman one that I was like, there's so much happening in so few pages. And that's probably what was wrong with that one, too. Hmm. Which is, you know, like, like I said, the reason I like the Drift ones is because it's very more, more it's it's uh, it's based off of a novel and not mm -hmm. not a, originally as a graphic novel. It's a novel. Mm -hmm. So it's 
has this slower approach that 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 novels do and such. Yeah, it's got novel pacing. Yeah, it's still much faster though because I was able to read like two of them in a day once. But yeah, I definitely wouldn't be able to read two books in a day. But the it, I couldn't get through. I, I tried to to push through Hush. I had to put it down. Mm-hmm. I had to let my brain comprehend what what just happened. You know, I go and do twenty twenty thirty pages. And I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, I definitely read it like one chapter so to speak at a time just like read from one cover to one cover and then take a day and then a cover to a cover again like i don't you can't just sit and read the whole thing straight i tried but it's dense it's dense right on so do you want to come up with like a rating system or something i don't know i I didn't think about that till right now but i definitely enjoyed the forgotten realms ones a lot that was very very influential on my understanding of my favorite hobby so I definitely give that one those ones the highest praise. So to be specific, we didn't say exactly. Uh, so the the I gave uh, Miles seven comics, and they were based off the first seven novels that Ari Salvatore wrote, which we um, basically like the same way as Star Wars. He wrote the Crystal Shard series first, but then he wrote a prequel, so very much like Star Wars episodes. Mm-hmm. Four, five, and six, but he uh, Miles read it starting one, two, and three, which is the the background story of Drizzt, mm-hmm. and then four, five, and six would be the story of how he he, he meets these surface dwellers and how they fight the this crystal evil crystal shard and stuff like that, and then the seventh one is after that, mm-hmm. and then they stopped doing them. So basically, the seven was was. Uh, another four book series and they never made comics out of them no they made the cover art and they right. like tease that you can pre-order it but it would have come out like 10 years ago right so yeah. i was in italy when that happened yes because mm-hmm. like i'm like oh it says online that there's another one there is not another there is one. not another one that's really frustrating but yeah but so. anyway so that's that's what uh, so it's the crystal shard series and it's the um uh the origin for Driz series mm-hmm I I enjoyed them thoroughly. They're very very good. I I I would buy them if I didn't have a way to borrow them at any point in time. <laughs> How about this? We can do it like a disc dump. Are we going to get rid of these comics? I have the feeling the answer is always going to be no. <laughs> but I'm definitely not getting rid of Hush. Yeah, no, Hush is totally worth keeping. Mm-hmm. Like I said, uh, maybe it's like one of those ones that if you recommend it to anybody else, tell them it's thick yeah or even if you can figure out where it breaks down to when they were actually released mm-hmm. you know read them in that fashion and then give yourself a week and go back to it and read another section and give mm-hmm. it a week yeah because it's it's definitely like a well-constructed mystery it's just the pace is breakneck super fast right yeah, and everything's flips so fast mm-hmm. but the artwork is is incredible yeah, and like the author, the main author accredited, his name is Jeff Loeb. Anytime you see a Batman that's written by Jeff Loeb, it's worth picking up. That guy's awesome. And uh, Scott Snyder, too. Is so so it's it's in chapters. So it's, you know, mm-hmm. you could definitely go buy, buy the chapters. I would say read it in chapters and then take a week. Yeah, that's... Because it's overload. It, it is overload. I it, used to... It is convoluted. I don't necessarily mean that as an insult. I just mean it's, it's torturous and... It, Zigzags. Zigzags and stuff like that. So And it adds kind of to the tone of it though, because the whole thing is Batman being confused. Like, what the fuck? So I mean, it definitely leaves the reader feeling that way too. Even though like the whole time you're like, it's gonna be the Riddler. It's definitely the Riddler. 
who else would do this? It's the Riddler. And then he like rules the Riddler out at one point. You're like, oh shit. Well, it must be this new character, obviously, or they wouldn't introduce the new character. And then it wasn't him the whole time. Oh. So yeah, it was pretty, pretty good. I liked it. So uh, I guess we're going to take a break for a few minutes here. Maybe turn the heater on because it's cold as fuck. Yeah, let's take a, let's take a break. We're going to take a breather. This is Miles from the future coming at you with some uh, what would be ads, except nobody's willing to pay me yet. So I, uh, I want to encourage everybody to follow my Facebook page and subscribe on whatever app that you're using right now. The uh, Facebook page is the Disc Dump Podcast, but there's also a group. And the group is much more fun than the page, to be honest. That's the Disc Dump Podcast Fans Group, with an exclamation point. If I haven't invited you already, please, please join it. I put a lot of teasers for the next episode that are coming out, and all kinds of stuff like that. And uh, it's definitely, if you actually enjoy seeing the progress of how this is going, please do that. I also have a Twitter page at Disc Dump. I also have a Instagram page. You should check me out on any form of social media re- you really engage in. Just search Disc Dump and you will be able to find me. I, uh, I encourage you all to please like, rate, and subscribe. I would really appreciate it because that will make my dreams come true. So I'm relying on you guys. So I also want to take a second to thank some of my fans. First of all, I want to thank Yashi Friedman. Hey, Yashi. How you doing, buddy? I've known Yashi for a vast majority of my life, and I want to thank him for being the first person to reach out to me and go, how do Android users rate your app? I want to give you five stars. Oh, Yashi, you done touched my heart. So uh, I want to thank Yashi because I have no fucking idea how people who are not Apple users should rate me. But I think Google Play is one of them. I know if you pay for Stitcher, which most people don't, but if you do, then you can rate people. As far as uh, giving me good reviews, I'd appreciate it in whatever capacity you can manage. I also want to thank Morgan Esno, I believe that's how you say his name. Hey, Morgan. I know we don't know each other, but I felt the need to say your name on this podcast. (laughs) You are my first bona fide fan who I've never met. So I thank you for spreading the gospel of Disc Dump. Appreciate you so much. You guys are awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm also going to throw a special thank you out there to Ed, just because I think Ed is really, really going to appreciate this episode. And uh, one final thank you to my co-host, John Weber, who is basically down to do anything I ask him to do. John, I appreciate you. I would like to apologize that next week we are not going to have an episode of the Disc Dump available for you. I'm, uh, I'm going on a much, much, much needed vacation, and we are going to the sin capital of the world, Las Vegas. So hopefully I'll have some really good stories for you about Las Vegas when the time comes. Uh, I might even start like a update episode or something with why I needed that vacation so bad. And let me tell you, it is it has got a lot to do with a contractor and a toilet. 
But more on that in two weeks, give you something to look forward to. And I suppose now is as good a time as any to thank the Jazz June for the use of our theme song, Viva La Speed Metal, off of their album, The Medicine. They are very gracious to allow me to use their music in this podcast. I've been a huge fan of theirs for a really long time, and they got me through some particularly rough patches of my life. They are fantastic. You should definitely give them a shot. I don't know how to recommend them any more than I possibly can. You need to check out The Jazz June. And on a similar note, we're going to have some new outro music for the rest of the series, which is by The Fat Rat. The Fat Rat is an amazing international artist who has very graciously allowed me to use the song Unity to exit each episode with a high tempo, high energy exit. So uh, you guys should definitely check out The Fat Rat on YouTube. Unity is the song. He's fantastic. I love his music. All right, so uh, we're going to get back to the show here. There's going to be a game coming up after we describe what we're going to be giving each other to read for the next episode of Trade Traders. Ta! click on the right file here. I have a game plan for you. Are you excited? Are we going right to the game or before we talk about uh, oh, that's the, probably the next idea. ones? Or? Let's talk about the next ones. That's a better idea. <clears throat> so we are back and we're going to talk about what we are going to be trading next. So what you got for me, John? So I brought, you said bring one and I don't do anything small. So I brought two. <laughs> of course. Uh, well, I brought three, but two. Uh, Two of them were volume one and volume two. I brought the Rat Queens, which I brought to you before, but because you had so many things that you never got to it. The reason why I'm bringing the Rat Queens, first of all, I think it's done very well. Mm -hmm. um, it's basically D&D, &D, but it's D&D &D on women. Women are, are, are the the party. Mm -hmm. And uh, they are all also realistically drawn women, so they're not... They're not all boobs. Super tiny waist and big boobs, and and, and they wear um, uh, chain link bikinis. Yeah, um, they're not like that at all. No, no, they're actually, uh, and they have a dwarf, and uh, she actually grows a beard. She <laughs> she she's actually um, they pick on her for not growing a beard mm -hmm. because women are supposed to grow any self respecting dwarfs. But and it's very well done, mm -hmm. um, and I, I just the whole. And it's also, you know, people in D in the D and D world would love it because women are as every bit as important as the men. They and even with they can go and have sex the way they want to have it, and it's just a whole thing. So it's, it's wait, uh, there's sex in these? Yeah, I'm in. <laughs> oh yeah, no, definitely is. Um, it's and it's just done very very well. Uh, they have, I read the first the first like segment of it and I was drawn in. It's just, I had a lot going on now, but now I'm good. Like, even though I'm trying to make a whole bunch of podcasts, I'm not starting a podcast. And you're also not in school. <laughs> I'm not in school. There's a whole lot more going for me. That school I was the this. big, big, big thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So now I'm not in school, graduated. Holla. And, yeah. uh, so I'm looking forward to picking that story back up actually. And I went ahead and grabbed saga. Saga. Saga is 
become like it's it you know when i was looking for a comics to take with me on my deployment in 2011 um it's ones like i don't know every the guys like i haven't read it yet but everybody's talking about saga it's, mm -hmm. it's different than anything you've seen the artwork is amazing it's it's digital but it's just amazing it looks pretty cool and uh yeah so um and the stories are, are very i guess convoluted is one way it's just they take these left turns but they make it work and they mm -hmm. make it interesting and and after like, first you're like what the fuck and then 15 seconds later you're like oh okay yeah. you know it's so you accept it immediately and the story works really well and there's there's cool characters you care about them you care about everybody even though they're not afraid to kill people yeah it's kind of a game of thrones type of thing they're not afraid to kill people and stuff like that but they are also you care about these characters and they're kooky and they're and they're very interesting yeah, I'm excited for that one too. I, you've been telling me about Saga since I met you like two years ago, but I'm looking forward to both of these. Saga is, uh, it looks like it's venturing into modern fantasy, so I'm excited to try it, but I definitely am against like modern urban fantasies are not really my thing, but it looks fucking crazy, so I'm going to give it a shot. I would have said I would. I was not so much into modern fantasy either, and then I started reading the uh, the Jim Butcher books, the uh, the Dresden Files. Mm -hmm. I'm an absolute fan. Probably my second favorite character next to Drizzt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolute fan. I just started uh, reading... Well, I didn't just start. I just stopped reading a book called Neverwhere by the guy that did American Gods. I'm the worst with names. I'm the worst with names. Gaiman. Neil, or Neil, Neil Gaiman. Neil Gaiman, yeah. Neil Gaiman did one called Neverwhere. And I love Neil Gaiman's writing style, but I just am not into the modern fantasy world thing. Um, so, yeah, I, I dropped that one because it was modern world fantasy stuff. Is This isn't like that, is it? Is it like totally weird? Or is it more what, of a... What, the, the Jim Butcher or the, uh, no, uh, the, the uh, Saga? Saga. It's just totally... It's... Uh, it's an alternate uh, it's basically it's a sci-fi so it's planets but magic is also well actually it's a mashup of things like on one planet magic is the main thing but on another planet it's just science fiction or, or, or just science mm -hmm. and another one it's just medieval style and just it, it gets it, crazy. It, it's a mashup of mm -hmm. every type of genre that you can think of kind of pushed together there's westerns there's soap operas I mean, there's a, she actually becomes an actress in a soap opera, so it's right just on. right in, in TV, and they it's the biggest massive of stuff, and then, but they make it work. It's it's interesting. So you know, uh, then both re both of these together is the reason why I brought them is they both are thinking outside the box, mm -hmm. and they relate to D and D, which you and I are really big into right now. So yes. So uh, mine is kind of similar that I'm getting for you here. Let me grab it. Nothing like being prepared. You know me, I'm Sur always prepared. Surprise, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so, for you, I have the Seven Soldiers of Victory. So, I have the uh, the trade version, and I have the 1980s number one of this one, because I want you to read the, the number one comic first before you read the trade, because the author of the trade took these characters and was like, what am I going to do with this? And he came out with a really good 
solid story with a whole bunch of weird fucking characters in it. I think I've seen this before, and I've never read it. I I, I don't think I've read it, but mm-hmm. I was big into DC around when this stuff came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these are DC comics. The uh, the Seven Soldiers of Victory is just a whole bunch of B list superheroes that the. the comic book writing was very different in the 80s than it is now this is it, the that one is definitely geared towards children and the trade is definitely not geared towards children so i'm excited for you to at least be able to compare them but what i like about it is that it's totally different from anything else i've ever read uh what's his name is is it grant morrison on the trade what's his uh Yes, Grant Morrison. So there's like a, a note from the author at the beginning where he's like, I've kind of just done the whole superhero thing. Cool, right, great. I've written for Marvel. I've written for Dark Horse. I've written for DC. I've written for everybody. So I went to them and said, give me something hard. And then I was given the hardest project. <laughs> so that's basically what this is. And it's three trades, but I only own the first two. So I got to get my hands on the third one. But the first one is really good. The second one's okay, but the first one's really good. I enjoyed it. So I hope that you will also like it. Excellent. Yeah. So, and I don't think, I think the pacing is, I think he designed it to be a trade. So I don't think it's, I think it's more like the Drizzt ones where it's not like a weekly thing. It's like actually slow pace. You can kind of keep up with what's going on. I have um, five full shelves of trades. Mm-hmm. So now I'm I'm interested in, getting back into some of the ones, rereading through the ones I've already read, and then I also probably have 35 to 40 that I haven't read yet. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go through those so we can continue to do this, but this is excellent, yeah. yeah good. I, uh, you're going to get a lot of Batman. Because <laughs> the ones I've read is a lot of Batman. The most one, I, the one I've read the most recently is uh, Killing Joke. Mm-hmm. I actually never read that one. I watched the cartoon, but I never read it. It looks dark as shit. So I have a whole like Joker shelf, and I have a whole Batman shelf. So I'm pretty excited about it. And I also got into the uh, Suicide Squad. I when mm-hmm. uh, before that came out, I went and bought a lot of the books and was reading through those. So mm-hmm. right on. Which I love the whole premise of the Suicide. I think it's genius. It's I think it's the best thing that DC's ever done. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's done as well as it could have be, been done, but I think the the idea behind it is better than any other idea out there. It's it's genius. I mean, I don't like Harley Quinn that much, but I think the idea is genius. I just wish that she wasn't the centerfold of it. Like, I wish it was more about, like, Deadshot or something than it is about her. And some of the comics are, but it's the, the movie, they're like, here's a hot chick. Here you go. Enjoy. They do so, it better in the comics, but she, mm-hmm. she and yeah she, yeah, she brings a little bit of chaos to things, which is kind of fun in some ways. And she's a wild card, yeah. that's for sure. It's funny how you think you, you have a really good idea... And then you look through it again, like, oh, I forgot about that. Oh, That's what happened with me and Hush. I had to go over the whole book again this morning, like, which is a lot to take in, like you said. But I was like, oh, yeah, Killer Croc robbed a bank at the beginning. No, he didn't. So, yeah. I'm excited to go through them again, though. Uh, Rat Queens is going to be good. I know it is. When I went to uh, New York Comic Con, actually, there was a Rat Queens, like, stand where they just had all the Rat Queen stuff, and then they also had all the spinoffs. Did you know there's a bunch of spinoff series? Women wearing beards. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> no, I didn't know there were spinoffs, and I would be interested in, in uh, checking those out, too. Yeah, uh, if I remember what they're called. I don't know. There's, like, a pirate series and shit that are all, like, spinoffs of this. And I think Rat Queens is actually a spinoff of another one, uh, Prince Less, the Prince Less series. Have you heard of that? 
I think Rat Queens is like a spin-off of that. So it's basically the same premise though. Is like realistic women doing D and D shit. I did hit the record button by the way. It shows them all getting laid. Oh nice. <laughs> Who doesn't enjoy that? <sighs> Any who'sn't so the uh so I'm getting the Rat Queens and uh uh Saga. And you are getting The Seven Soldiers of Victory, Volume 1. I think you're going to like it, because it's, it's fucking weird. <laughs> so, there's a... I don't even... Well, we might have to erase this, erase this, but I saw it not too long ago. There's a comic that I bought in maybe the late 70s. I think it was DC. And they were based off superheroes made out of metal. One was steel, one was gold, one was lead, and there was a skinny one made of tin. <laughs> do, do you remember those I have at no all? I no idea what you're talking uh, about. I no. saw one in a comic book store. I'll have to see if I can find that. I'd love to read that again and then have you read it. It's just interesting. Just a different take. Sounds goofy. And for, it's goofy, but awesome. Yeah. So, okay, well, um, I think we have our assignments until next time. I don't, we don't need to put like a time limit on any of this because these episodes will come out when they come out. We might get more regular about them if we get a lot of positive feedback that people want to hear us talk about nerd shit more. But I mean, unless someone really protests and they hate everything they just heard and they want me to quit podcasting for the rest of my life, I'm still probably going to do it. So look forward to more of these on this channel. <laughs> Basically what I'm saying, fuck everyone who has negative things to say. So uh, we ha I have prepared a game. I made it up based on some of the creative writing things I learned in college. So I have some cards here for randomization of things. But first, the premise of this part of the podcast, which we may do regularly, we may not. Let's see if it goes over like a lead balloon, is that we are going to create an audio comic book for you right now. So there's no pressure. We can be really silly about it. But if we do a different one every episode, we can come up with our own, like, Avengers or Justice League or whatever of stupid-ass superheroes. Let's do it. So, okay. John, if you had one superpower, just one superpower, not a skill, a, not an unlimited wealth, a superpower, what would it be? To always win a bet. To always win a bet. Okay. Hmm. All right, I can do that. That's a difficult. That's one. a difficult one, but that's all right. You're gonna be, you're gonna be a card shark kind of guy. Okay. I'm super fast. I bet you, I'm faster. <laughs> and that's what I'm strongest. Do. I bet you, I'm stronger. I like it. Actually, that's a good idea. I like it. Okay, so it's almost like anything you say is. It's kind. It's kinda. it's to me. It's similar to Domino. Being, being yeah, because she's just so lucky. Lucky. I'm just lucky. That's not a superpower. Yes, it is. <laughs> So, these cards got mixed up somehow. All right. So, I have cards labeled profession. I'm going to shuffle them up. And then you are going to pick... Uh, let's name your 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 uh, your betting character. What's he going to be named? doesn't have to be anything special. It could be Jim for all. Jim Jerry's. Jim Jeffries is a comedian. Anyway, just any name. Come up with a name right now. Schindler. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> We'll call him Terry Schindler. <laughs> Fucked up. Okay. Uh, so I just thought of a name. <laughs> All right. So here, draw a profession card for what Terry Schindler did before he was a superhero. So flip that guy over. He's a doctor. He was a doctor. Okay. So Dr. Schindler. 
<laughs> okay, you can hang on to that one for now. Um, all right. So let's find out. Uh, so what kind of a doctor is he? <laughs> Proctologist. <laughs> Dr. Schindler. Um, psychiatrist. He's a psychiatrist. Now, I have cards that are labeled cause. This is how he got his superpower of anytime he makes a bet, he wins. That's the one. All right. Military government recruitment. Okay, so he is the product of some sort of military or government training. What, how do you think that this would come about then through military or government recruitment? Is there like a project where they're testing he, smart people? He, yeah, he learned because he was a psychiatrist. He uh, learned that it's mind over matter. Okay. And do and they give no him matter a serum what, or something? No matter what, if he's challenged, he bets that he for some reason it it makes a physiological change in his body so that he can overcome that he can win that bet. Hmm. Okay. What would there be a limitation to it? Like he knows better than to make some bets so they just don't come out of his mouth? I haven't thought about that. I don't know. Mm -hmm. So I mean, this is just for silliness. Uh hmm. What happens when he comes across a bet that he can't guarantee? Does the whole universe change? Like, how? Where's the limit? Like, could he just say, I, I, "I bet I'm the sun," and then just become the sun? Well, I don't think it's. I, I bet I'm the sun. I like. I bet I can shine brighter than the sun would be more like. Yeah. So would that be? Does he like progressively get more powerful, or is that just like I can say? I bet I can do blank better than blank, and it just is. It just is. It just is. Okay, I like it. We can work with that. <laughs> okay, so we have determined that he is the psychologist or psychiatrist, Dr. Schindler, who was recruited by the government to become uh, the best betting man who's ever lived. What, what do you want to call What is his superhero name? Betting man? Um, Ace of Spades? Sure thing. Sure thing. Uh, fixes in. <laughs> Ace uh, is high. I'm gravitating towards cards for some yeah, reason. Um, One-eyed Jack. Straight flush. Straight flush. Or uh, royal flush. Royal. Royal flush. Royal flush. Sold. We're sold on royal flush. Okay. Does royal flush have a sidekick? I no. No. Okay. So royal flush does not have a sidekick. So we don't have to. Go, I was just going to go through the profession and cause segment again. So. All right, so he is the government man, the government trained, amazing betting royal flush. So every superhero has to save somebody. That's the premise of being a superhero, right? Or something. So here are cards that say to save. So we will pick a victim here. That's the one. All right. A group of scouts. Okay, we're saving some scouts. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll say uh, the, the Boy Scouts of America. How do you feel about that? <laughs> I was just thinking of like a group of children basically. Okay, so there's them. So now he has to save a group of scouts of some kind from a setting. So this is where we're going to be building our story via biome. That's actually what I was thinking of. Subterranean caves. Subterranean caves. So there are a bunch of little kids trapped in a subterranean cave. How does Royal Flush get involved? The government's like, we have to find a man who can bet his way in there. Well, so there, uh, it was filled full of water. 
and nobody can get in there. It's too torturous and, and stuff. Uh, the uh, there is a small hole, but but uh, people can't get through it with scuba suits, and if they try to move anything, more rubble will fall. So this guy says, I bet you I can swim under there without a tank and hold my breath and get through the whole way. Oh, shit. So he does that, and uh, he's swimming, and the, the water is cold as shit, and it's pitch black, but he somehow knows where he's going. And he brings an air hose with him or something. Yeah, okay. And these scouts are on the other side. This sounds somewhat like a story that was in the news a couple years ago. Yeah, in Thailand or someplace over there, yeah. So uh, you managed to emerge from the depths to find that there is a super villain in in this cave. So here's a giant stack of cards that have super villains on them. So the super villain is going to be a shapeshifter. A shapeshifter of some kind. Oh shit. Okay. Hmm. How why why would a shapeshifter trap a group of scouts <laughs> in a cave? Um, okay, I'm going to say, for anyone listening, if you have not read the Outsider book or are watching the TV show, here's a spoiler for about 15 seconds. This is the premise of the book, The Outsider, actually, is that there's a shapeshifter that brings people into caves and eats them, basically. Well, he lives in caves and he eats children and shit. Anywho, it's really good. It's an HBO show right now. It's super good. Okay, welcome back to everyone who skipped 15 seconds into the future. <laughs> so uh, we have a shapeshifter of some kind in a cave with a bunch of children. It's a wet cave. So I'm, I'm picturing him being a wet shapeshifter. So he originally uh, looked like a scout leader. Okay. He, he knocked the scout leader over the head and led all these kids into this cave and created the cave in and flood so that he could snack on these guys okay do you think he's like his original form is like part octopus or something like that i don't mm, how about something lovecraftian something lovecraftian how about no like a manta ray he's like flat and he like rushes around and eats people like a gelatinous cube what kind of animal is it? There's an animal that literally will, like, spit its stomach out on something to, like, dissolve it in acid and then just suck its stomach back up and, like, bring what... It, what it, it's not a fly, but it's kind of like a fly. Yeah, I don't remember. Now I'm leaning towards bug-like. Hmm. I think that it's not going to be a challenge for Benton Man to beat this shapeshifter no matter what the situation is. Yeah, I had thought of this a long, long, long time ago. It's pretty hard to beat. Yeah, it's pretty hard to beat, <laughs> unless you can silence somebody with it. It makes them pretty super powerful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I should have started with somebody a little <laughs> bit more simple. I mean, it's all good. No. <laughs> At least you didn't say control time and space. Like, that would have been pretty hard to beat, too, especially with some of those super villains I have in here. Hmm. Okay, so the shapeshifter... Uh, what, oh, he shapes and he looks like one of the scouts that's there when he sees someone's onto him. So he, there's just a group of kids. Do you think that the the uh, royal flush would be able to even tell the difference? I bet you he can. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know how, but... <laughs> Dr. That, Schindler. That was kind of right there. Yeah, that was kind of right there on the surface. <laughs> so... Uh, is Dr. Schindler going to be murdery, or is he the kind of guy that's like, throw him in jail? Meh. 
Is he into letting people die, or is he more? He took the he took the Hippocratic oath. He can't kill anybody. Right. So yeah, he, he tr tried to uh, redemption first and imprisonment mm -hmm. second, I guess. Okay. Hmm. So how would he find out that one of the people he just rescued is actually a shapeshifter? I guess we could say that he doesn't realize it and save it for next time we pick up this story. Yeah. He yeah. Does, he doesn't realize it. There you go. So okay. So he doesn't realize it and. Uh, Maybe in one of the future episodes we'll figure out how he figures it so out. He's, so he's going to start trying to help these kids out and somebody is trying to sabotage that and he has to figure that out. Okay, okay. Hmm. So how would... So what is the what is the bet to get the kids out? I bet you I can get you out of here. I don't know. I don't know. We want to say that for next time? We'll save it for next time. All right. So, um, yeah. So that's basically the game is you just... Come up with a real quick little uh, little comic book and see how it goes. And I think that all of these are going to be conjoined together. And we'll have like a crazy whole episode where we do nothing but this for a while. Do you want to wrap it up here? Or do you want to do it? Dr. Schindler, a.k.a. Royal Flush. <laughs> Dr. Schindler. Jesus, you got me on that one. I did not expect that shit at all. <laughs> Let's just wrap it up for this okay. time. We'll wrap it up. Alrighty, well, hopefully you'll hear more from us soon. Take care, everybody. See ya.